today on CityCast Philly. If you're still looking for something to do this weekend, our arts contributor is here to recommend a can't-miss hip-hop dance show, Rome and Jules. It's a remake of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, and it was created by a local artist and street dance legend who the New Yorker called the most brilliant hip-hop choreographer in America. It's Thursday, December 8, 2022. I'm Trinae Nuri, and this is CityCast Philly. CityCast Philly arts contributor Charles Tyson Jr. Back in 2000, you were at the Wilma Theater for the world premiere of Rome and Jewels. Why did you think that this show was jaw-dropping? Yeah, I was at the premiere in 2000, and it was (laughs) jaw-dropping just by nature of being what it was. Like you said, it's a dramatic retelling of the classic Shakespeare tragedy, Romeo and Juliet. And the cast is, you know, was some of, if not the best, B-boys in the city. And the story, it makes for the most epic B-boy battle ever. We're talking the Montagues and the Capulets here, you know? (laughs) And there's an original score by Ozzy Jones, who also co-wrote and did the dramaturgy, and he narrated, and he's going to be part of the production uh, this go-around as well. And the soundtrack comes to you by way of two live DJs, one for each side. Wow. <laughs> it's like you I mean, get your like, own theme this music. Was, this was <laughs> groundbreaking at the time, right? Oh, yeah. Well, because Rennie Harris is responsible for introducing hip hop dance to the concert dance stage, mm-hmm. which is something that we, you know, take for granted now, but it was unheard of then. It was... Folks on blocks of cardboard on the street showing off for money or, you know, occasionally being brought in for exhibitions and things like that. And he'd been doing shorter pieces. So he had a repertory. But this was the first evening length full production that he did. So that in itself was amazing. And, you know, the the main reason I was there, I've got to see this. I've got to see this. Right. So tell me when you met Rennie. What was he like? What was his dance style like? It was hard. So <laughs> um, when I met Rennie, this would have been 95. Mm-hmm. So his star was already on the rise for a few years by this point. His company started in 92. And, you know, I met him at, at Temple University. I was a, a dance major at Temple. And there was a performance series called Voices of Percussion. And so it was all these different um, percussive artists and they all did master classes. So of course I flocked to the hip hop class, Rennie Harris. And up to that point, I called myself a hip hop dancer. I wasn't ready. (laughs) Was it intense? It, yeah. His style encompasses all the different forms that fall under the umbrella term that we call hip hop dance. So popping and locking and breaking and, you know, all of that. And you feel invincible when you're in his class. And like, he always has the best music. And if you um, don't feel like you're gonna throw up, you're not doing it right. (laughs) (laughs) 
So let's talk more about Rennie's style and the themes that he used in his performances. What kinds of themes was he exploring in his work back then? So, you know, a lot of people, when they think of pure movement, they might think of the more high energy show off pieces. But, you know, he did a lot of different styles with his movement vocabulary. And when I talked to him recently, he brought up how he was experimental in his approach. The majority of the stuff I did was more performance art. So we dealt with a lot of with molestation, rape, religion, um, racism. So a lot of my work back then was about that. And, and most of the people who saw that in the beginning didn't like that. They didn't like that it had social commentary, it had narrative and all that stuff. Wow, people didn't like that social commentary in his perspective. Why do you think that? Well, I mean, his stuff got real. His stuff got real. But like, that's um, essentially the elements of hip-hop, right? It's, it's real, it's raw. I'm saying, right. Like, there's one solo I remember he did called uh, Endangered Species. Mm-hmm. And the movement in the solo is very, like, flowy, and there's some popping in there, and it's a lot of, like, you know, flowing movement, but it's set against a spoken word piece. And the person talks about like witnessing murder and being molested and all this stuff. And at the end they go, you know, next week is my birthday. I'll be six. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you're like, whoa. And that can be jarring when you're looking to just like clap your hands and go, woo, look at the dancing. You know what I mean? Which is what people expect when you hear hip hop. So, Charles, what did Rennie's work mean for Philly's dance scene in 2000? And, I mean, this also was the turn of the century. This was Y2K. Yo. (laughs) So, by this point, Rennie and his dancers were the it boys of Philly dance. You know, you would go to a club and if someone was passing by you, they'd go, Rennie's boys are in there, you know? And they were celebrities because they were these dynamic, prolific dancers and they're doing this quote unquote street form, but you also know they were in Paris last month. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it was amazing. I was so proud of them and everybody wanted to collaborate with Rennie. Everybody wanted to collaborate with the dancers. So you saw a lot of merging between modern dance and hip hop dance. In fact, the one thing that's popping in my head, there was um, a fabulous Philadelphia choreographer uh, named Myra Bazell. She's now living in Atlanta. She was very prolific in the, in the, the modern dance scene. She did a duet with Rennie. So they were like passing movement back and forth. And it was some of the most amazing dancing I've ever seen. Because, you know, they're both at the top of their game in their respective genres. It was a lot of that. There was this explosion of experimentation and collaboration that came out of uh, Rennie's popularity in the concert dance scene. So Roman Jules is being revived for one weekend only through the University of Pennsylvania's Performing Arts Program. There are shows on Friday and Saturday. 
have they changed much from the original show? I am curious to see what is different and what isn't. One thing that I'm very excited about is, a, I'd say about 85% to 90% of the original cast the original is cast? going to be in this production. Are yes. they going to be popping and locking in? Oh, yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited because each of these individuals since the original production, have gone on to have thriving careers in their own right. Mm-hmm. We've got like Rodney, at one point, he was the spokesperson for Tanqueray. He was like international. And, you know, Sabella is an author and musician and Clyde and Ron and Raph and Brandon, they've all had their own companies that are doing amazing. Ozzy Jones is a Barrymore award-winning director now he's got the uh original djs from the first production uh dj evil tracy the international show off i love saying that name (laughs) and uh dj razor ramon whose name might sound familiar because he's worked with a legendary hip-hop dancer and artist and he's worked with them and roxanne shante and cool mode like all of them all of them and they're all going to be on this stage together again beautiful i can't wait What about the cultural references, though? Do you think those have changed? You know, I wondered about that because I remember in the original, they were described, one of the characters was describing, I think it was whoever Rosaline would have been. And they started going, she's got dumps like a truck. Truck? Truck. (laughs) (laughs) And for our folks listening, that might mean booty. (laughs) Right. But it was because, you know, Cisco's um, thong thong song had only been out like a month or so. So it was like, oh, I see what you did. (laughs) I'm going to assume they're not going to do that in 2022. You never know. The music has definitely changed. It's a lot different. (laughs) Love it. Love it. (laughs) So, Charles, you mentioned that Rennie likes to include a lot of social commentary in his work. And Roman Jules deals with Mm -hmm. those heavy questions around race and religion and class through this lens of gang violence. Do you think the show will strike a chord now, like when it first premiered? I think it will because, you know, it's going to be a little bit of, Things change, but things stay the same. And uh, Rennie made mention of how those themes are going to come into play with this iteration of the production. And so the idea is that really kind of um, Rome is basically conjuring jewels up in his, in, his, in his mind. And it's all about misogyny. And yeah, so that's what made it very interesting. We said, okay. Let's push the envelope by not having the jewels and we conjure her uh, into who he wants her to be, like as men do sometimes. So it's really about, you know, war, misogyny. And then, um, you know, there's nothing that comes, nothing good comes from it. So Jules or who would be the equivalent to Juliet is actually a made up character. Right. Yeah, that's. I'm interested in seeing how that works as opposed to having the actual physical person present. When I saw it, there was like this mysterious figure who we saw but didn't see. Because when when Pure Movement first started, it was all men. 
And he didn't start including women until a few years later. I mean, he kind of like caught some flack for not having women. So when he did a, another iteration of the show, he started including women. And so then there was a physical present Jules character. So now that we're doing the original cast, I think that's why we're doing Jules as a, as a conceptual figure. How do you think this show and Rennie's work overall has had an impact or a big influence on Philly's dance scene in the last 22 years? Well, like I said, it's all of these offshoots and new creative outlets have come about since he introduced the fact that hip hop belongs on the concert dance stage. And hip hop is being taught in universities now, which I find amazing. There's scholarly papers and literature written about hip hop culture. And Rennie's name will be found in all of it. You know, he is instrumental in bringing hip hop into the world vernacular. And it's as much a part of the fabric of Philadelphia dance and culture now as any other genre. It's, you know, it's not new or novelty anymore. It just is. CityCast Philly contributor Charles Tyson Jr. Thanks so much for bringing the story to us and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Penn Live Arts is presenting Rome and Jewels on December 9th and 10th at the Zellerbach Theater. We'll have links in our show notes. And here's what else Philly's talking about. Axios Philadelphia reports that Philadelphia's housing market is forecasted to, quote, soften in 2023. Still, prices could keep rising. The news outlet points out that housing prices in the Philadelphia metro area are expected to increase between 0.7% and 5.7% over the next year. And that's according to Zillow and Realtor.com. And after almost two years of operation, the Neon Museum of Philadelphia is going to close this Sunday. The museum featured a collection of bright neon signs, of pop art, and over 120 vintage signs, too. But not all is lost. In a statement on its site, the founder, Len Davison, wrote that the museum is looking for a new home to house its collection, quote, that allows it to stay unified, local, and publicly accessible. The museum's final day is December 11th, and it's located at 1800 North American Street. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. Please tell a friend who loves hip-hop and dance about this episode. And wherever you're listening to the show, rate it, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. Bye.